If you guys love the podcast, you want to get the audible version of my new book, How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital, at capitalistbook.com. A user named just Jay on Amazon said this in a review, a four-hour work week for 2019. He goes on to say, I bought this book because I read somewhere that it was like a four-hour work week of 2019, and it absolutely delivered. The book delivered on both big ideas and has specific actionable templates, including unredacted and minimally redacted emails. This book is not chock full of self-promotion or useless platitudes, but is broken down into four key rules explained in solid detail and with specific and often amusing anecdotes. Reading this really got my wheels and my head turning of how to be resourceful, which many say is the ultimate trait of a successful entrepreneur. My favorite of the four rules is blank. You have to go read the review to find out. But guys, thanks for supporting me on the podcast. I hope you go grab the book on Audible today at capitalistbook.com. Notch again launched in 2014, now doing about six million bucks in terms of run rate. That's three X year over year, August 2017, doing only about two million. So healthy growth, $14 million raised, 20 enterprise customers that pay caught on average 300 grand first year ACV. They haven't churned anything. So net revenue retention annually is about 140%, which is great. Um, just really working out CAC to LTV stuff. They assume LTV is caught three, four million bucks, assuming a 10% churn rate, even though they don't have any churn, which means they could spend caught 50, 60 grand, something like that on CAC. Lots room to play there as they look at growing their sales team. 30 people right now based between New York City and other remote location. Again, transparently collect, own, and action the data from your digital content marketing for enterprise brands. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Anda Gunska. She's the CEO and co-founder of Notch, the leading independent provider of real-time intelligence for marketers. Founded in 2013, Notch has been recognized as one of the most innovative marketing technologies in the world as it seeks to change the way global brands engage and understand their audience. Anda, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm so ready. All right. Tell us about the company. What do you guys do and how do you make money? So we help brands understand the impact of their digital marketing. We started off specializing in content marketing because as a new category, there weren't a lot of solutions out there to help marketers make sense of ROI. And we make money because we work directly with brands and you know, we try to help them as, as much as possible to get unbiased data um, across that sits across all of their different partners, whether it's publishers, agencies, and other distribution channels. Just to be clear though, are you a pure play SaaS model? Yes, we are. Okay. And give me a general sense. I don't want to talk about, you know, every customer cohort, but on average, what's a customer pay per month for this, would you say? So we have, I mean, we're pretty transparent with all of this. We have three different buckets. We have a bucket for measuring owned and operated channels that sits between 150 and 250K a year. We have a second bucket of measuring paid channels that sits between 200 and 350K a year. And then we have an enterprise level deal, which can honestly go up to a million dollars. Okay. So just again, so we don't have to break down every single one. Give me an average. Would you say the average contract is caught a quarter of a million bucks per year for you? Would you say? It's around 300K. Around, around 300K. And are they typically engaging with just one of those products you just mentioned or are they you know buying multiple together? 
they start with one and they end up being enterprise level customers. Yeah. That's, the idea. That's great. Okay. And put all this on a timeline for me. When did you launch the company? So we launched a company about four and a half years ago, but when we launched it, it was uh, a consumer facing kind of data focused company. And it ended up becoming a data focused, a slight consumer, slight consumers aspect to it. So, you know, as most startups, we ended up pivoting a lot and trying to find our way and responding to the market. And we found that enterprise SaaS was the best way to go to market. Enterprise SaaS is a good space to be in. Now, how many customers have you, yeah, how many customers have you scaled to over the last four years? So we're at around 20 big paying customers at the moment, and we have a lot more in the pipeline. Um, I would say the biggest conversion of the pipeline has happened in two tranches, probably the first one about a year ago and the second one about three, four months ago. And what were those inflection points? Well, the inflection points were one, raising our initial funding to hire a sales team to build the pipeline to you know take, take the, the leads through the pipeline. So that was I would say the second inflection point, the first one was really just me getting our first two to three big customers and trying to figure out how do you build processes around that and how do you ensure customer success? Yep. Now, how much have you raised to date total? 14. 14 million. Okay, very good. And all equity or is there debt built in there? No, all equity. All mm-hmm. equity. Now, if I take 20 customers times that, you know, call it a, I guess you said $300,000 first year ACV, that puts you right now at about a $6 million run rate. Is that fairly accurate? We're in the range, yeah. Okay, and talk to me about growth. So if you're at, in that range today, where were you about at about a year ago? So we've tripled growth uh, year on year. Oh, that's um, that's amazing. Yeah, and we are, we're pushing for an even more aggressive growth rate at the moment. That's great. So that would mean about a year ago, you were doing call maybe a 2 million run, right? You're now 3x that up to 6. That's incredible. Has, yeah. has most of that growth come from expansion or adding new customers altogether? It's both actually, I would say about 60% of it has been from new customers just by virtue of being a new company, but about 40% of that has come from upsells and cross-sells. That's an incredible uh, kind of expansion revenue rate uh, you know, across the base. I want to dive more into how you're doing that, but let's start at the number, right? So net revenue retention annually, how high above 100 are you? Oh, we, we have not had any churn. So, okay. So you've had no revenue churn, even downgrades? No. Okay, so the net revenue retention, if you have about 40% expansion, would be about 140% year yes. on year. Is that right? Yes, negative churn and whatnot. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so negative churn or net revenue retention, 140%. Let's dive into how you're doing this. So when you are expanding these accounts, are you? what are the axes you're using? Is it additional features, additional seats, additional usage? What is it? It's a great question. So as I said, we usually start with one license and then we we build into an enterprise level license. So imagine inside of a bank, you have a business unit, let's say the credit cards unit. We started with a paid license at 250. Then we add an owned license for 150. Then we add, we have a couple of other products. You mean owned that- license, like owned content or owned marketing? Content, owned content, yeah. Yeah. Um, then we have a couple of other adjacent products that are really helpful for marketers around competitive intelligence and benchmarking, as well as a different product for planning. And so we, we kind of build up to an enterprise level deal inside of a business unit, and then we cross sell with other business units. So we could go from credit cards to auto loans, to student loans, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, um, you know, when you have no churn, if you extrapolate to get to LTV, you can, I mean, the numbers get huge, right? So you obviously don't do that, right? Cause you want to stay. I, I've been, honestly, I've been assuming 10% churn just to kind of come up with an LTV. Yes. So I started doing CAC to LTV. Um, so yeah. So what, that, that's what I was going to ask you, right? Okay. So you use 10%. So what do you assume lifetime value is in terms of dollars on these accounts typically? 
We assume it's between 2.5 to 3 million at the moment. Okay. Yeah. And, and again, it's kind of, it's really back of the napkin. It's very difficult to think about, but it does help you think about what you can spend on CAC. So what are you spending to acquire these customers? So right now it's pretty crazy because we're super lean. So we're spending between 45 and 50 K. Okay. To get a $300,000 first year ACV account. Yes. That's great. So, I mean, payback is what? Three months. Yeah, it's super fast, and the CACT LTV is a crazy number. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's 50 grand to 3 million is obviously a crazy number. Exactly. Um, yeah. Walk me through, what, what's the team size today? So the team size is almost 30 at the moment. We're hiring really fast. Um, I think, you know, part of the CAC is going gonna, is gonna to grow up a little bit because we're a bit understaffed on the sales and marketing front. Um, and the composition is really kind of a third engineering, a third marketing and sales and a third product operation executive. Everybody's in New York. Almost everybody's in New York. We have a couple of people, uh, on the engineering front that work remotely. They kind of work remotely and in New York. And then we just hired someone to run West Coast for us. Got it. And walk me. So, so I want to go back now, since we kind of understand all the numbers and the growth and all that, your first few customers in 2014, tell me the story of how you got your first customer. Yeah. I got a cold email intro to an amazing woman whose name is Beth Comstock and she is like, you know, former GE, right? Yeah. She's the CMO that all CMOs want to be. And, uh, I didn't know that at the time because I didn't know anything about the industry, but she was kind enough to, I guess, just take a, an intro. She, I guess she did a bit of research on us and then introduced us to her team. Um, and that's really what kicked it off. We did a really good job of over delivering for that team. And then she started introducing us to other CMOs. She then ended up investing in the company, which was amazing. And so we had a really strong story going into meeting Unilever, JP Morgan Chase. JP Morgan Chase has probably been a similarly amazing, um, I guess, customer and situation for us. Kristen Lemkow who's the CMO there. Um, then started introducing us to other CMOs. So really, we started getting our first few customers by, I guess, word of mouth, CMO word of mouth. So that, and that initial Beth, though, introduction. So by the way, was this when she was still a GE? Yeah, she, at the time she was a CMO of GE. Okay, so GE was your first customer there. How did you get that cold intro, though? That, I mean, that's really the secret sauce here. How'd you get that? Well, I was coming to New York. We were based in Silicon Valley at the time and I was coming to New York and meeting literally everyone I knew and just asking them, do you know any CMOs? Here's my value prop. Can you help me get to them? I probably met 200 people before I got five introductions. And of those five, only Beth responded. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Okay. And she ended up invest. Yeah, that's great. She ended up investing as well, which is nice. Um, when, what, how big was your angel? Your, like your first round, your seed round? So we did a, an initial round of four, um, and then a second round of 10. Did you do that initial one like on the safe or was it a typical convertible note? We did the initial one in Silicon Valley on convertible notes. And then the second one was an equity round. So walk me, that's a big move. Most people say you go to Silicon Valley if you're building a, you know, a software startup, you went the other way. Why? Um, because I felt that in order to be truly empathetic to the people who were selling the product to, we needed to get out of the bubble and get closer to the people who were selling the product to. And there's a lot of CMOs in New York. There's CMOs. And if they're not here, they come here all the time. So it makes sense. And to be honest, it's not just about the CMOs because we work with a bunch of people on their teams. We work with their agencies. So it was really important that we were close to them. Um, is no churn a bad thing? You know, it's funny. I've been thinking a lot about this. I think to some extent it's it's weird with investors almost. It also fucks up a lot of the uh, metrics that you're trying to calculate. So 
in a way it's it's bad on paper because it makes your job harder but i mean who are we kidding of course it's an amazing thing i mean it means that we figured out how to do customer success properly and that we have a product that works so i'm i'm not going to complain about it well let me let me position it differently if nobody's churned maybe you're too cheap and you're leaving a lot of money on the table uh, i feel like we're we're very expensive but nobody's look- churned Nobody's churned. I think if if you look at the uh, the I guess compet- hashtag competitors, they're not really competitors, but um, their their prices are probably a quarter to half. Yeah, but you just said they're not really competitors. I mean, my my basic question is usually when you look at anyone's cohort data on their churned customers, after you know fifty percent will be you know credit card failure if they're like SMB. Once you get in mid market enterprise, a lot of it is just expenses and budgets. It's too expensive. That's why they churn. You've had no churn, so are you leaving money on the table? Have you like if you double prices, what do you think would happen? To be honest, I think that's an area where we we do need to rethink some of the pricing and how we how we capture the value that we bring. Um, the, the challenge with building software for an emerging category is that there's a lot of stuff that you kind of have to invent and define. And so we have to constantly reconsider what is the value that we bring? What is the ROI that we bring? And are we leaving money on the table? And I'm hundred percent going through exactly that exercise with our head of sales. And, and while, uh, take me in those conversations, cause a lot of people go through this. I mean, how do you run a pricing experiment like this? If you decide, yeah, let's test a higher price point. Yeah, and we we are constantly thinking about what is the percentage of the media spend that goes towards measurement and analytics. Then we're like, okay, well, how much of that money goes to the agency as a pass-through cost? And then how much of that money then goes to the distribution channel? And if we centralize that, um, how much money are we saving the brand? And then on top of that, how much money are we kind of making them by just bringing those insights in real time when in a, on the alternative today is that they would get it three to six months later. Yeah. So we're yeah. kind of, and we're working closely with all of our partners to ask them these questions because obviously the data is and you can't just Google this stuff. So, so just to be clear on if GE is going to spend a hundred million dollars in Q4 on ads or something like that, you know, one way they could do it is through an agency. And there's typically what people call an agency tax. There are a lot of middlemen and maybe only 60% of the hundred million goes towards the actual placement, call it 60 million. The other option is to use you. And what you're saying is, well, if we're saving them that 40 million of that agency tax, but we we're only billing them 500 grand in ACV. That's, that's, that's the comparison you're doing. Should we be charging more? Cause that's what we're saving them. Is that right? Uh, to some extent. So actually we're a percentage of, of that as well. So we are just measurement analytics. We don't actually run the media through any platform. So we're trying really hard to be an independent judge as opposed to kind of be both judge and jury. So I would say if G spends a hundred million, um, then they would probably end up spending 60 million across, you know, let's say six different distribution channels. So they would spend 10 million per distribution channel at the level of the distribution channel, about 6%, six to 8% of that is going to go towards measurement and, and research analytics research. And so that is the tax that we save them. Because Which is we so 600, 800 grand per channel then. Yeah. So we work directly with the brand and centralize the data collection across all these different distribution channels. And that's, that's a big part of our value add. Interesting. Um, when, when the last round of funding, when was it? The last round of funding was about a year and a half ago. Okay. So you're either raising capital right now or you're selling to Adobe. Which one is it? <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> what I can say is that the, the rate of growth has been very exciting for everyone in the industry, including investors. Oh yeah. I mean, if you're three X in year over year, you basically have any option you want. Now, are you cash flow positive right now or no, you're still burning a little? Still burning a little, but okay. very little. 
very, very close. Okay, so you really could do anything. If you, if let me ask you this a different way. Uh, if a VC came or an investor came and gave you a term sheet at a valuation that you really liked, but someone, another company called Adobe offered you that same valuation to buy the company, which, which direction would you go? The VC, 100%. So you want to keep building? I think there's so much opportunity, especially with Mode being a part of Oracle, um, Integral Ad Science now being a part of Vista's portfolio. I think there's a lot of opportunity to, to, to be that independent source of truth. Yep. Um, across all digital marketing. So yeah. Very good, Anda. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, Beth Comstock's yeah. <laughs> book. She just came out with it, right? It's fairly new. It's coming out on Monday, actually, which is very exciting. I got to read it before. Um, so yeah, imagine it forward. What's the next one? Imagine it forward. Very good. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Yes, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> of course. Number uh, three, is there a favorite online tool you have for building your business? Um, you know, I really like this product called Nota Bene. It's started by Sam Lesson. Um, it's a really simple app that enables you to take really fast notes and send them to either yourself or your assistant. What's it called? N-O-T-A, Nota Bene, B-E-N-E. Interesting. Interesting. I, pr- I pronounce it with a Romanian accent. <laughs> I like it. It makes it sound like it should be priced more, right? It makes it more expensive. <laughs> number, <laughs> number four on the, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? About six and a half. That's good. And what's your situation? Married, single, kiddos? (laughs) Why is that a question? Well, I'll tell you why. Because a lot of people, when they listen, they like to go, oh my gosh, she's married with seven kids and she's wanting, I can do it too. They get inspired. So what's your situation? I thought you were going to say that people are going to try to date me. No. Um, I'm in in an amazing partnership. Okay, got it. No kids yet? No kids. That's great. And do you mind me asking how old you are? 30. I just turned 30 a Cong- few days ago. Congratulations. Very good. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? That I needed to trust my gut. How so? Were you stuck in corporate or something? No, no. But Bill, I've been building a company for a while. I was uh, in the VC land before. And then before that, I was building NGOs across the world. Um, and, you know, you have a lot of moments when you have to make hard decisions with very little data. And you have to just trust your instincts. And Guys. I was- I've trusted my instincts more. Trust your instincts. Notch again launched in 2014, now doing about 6 million bucks in terms of run rate. That's 3x year over year, August 2017, doing only about 2 million. So healthy growth, $14 million raised, 20 enterprise customers that pay caught on average 300 grand first year ACV. They haven't churned anything. So net revenue retention annually is about 140%, which is great. Um, just really working out CAC to LTV stuff. They assume LTV is caught three, 4 million bucks, assuming a 10% churn rate, even though they don't have any churn, which means they could spend caught. 50, 60 grand, something like that on CAC. Lots of room to play there as they look at growing their sales team. 30 people right now based between New York City and other remote location. Again, transparently collect, own, and action the data from your digital content marketing for enterprise brands. Anda, thank you for taking us to the top.